enough. I've had it with your mind games and your stupid gifts. I mean, what even is A Wrinkle in Time? It's a lovely novel. It's the story of a young girl's struggle with the burden of leadership as she journeys through space. Yeah, that's it. Am I supposed to be the little girl? I like you to be. Files podcast. This is a podcast where two Americans talk about British TV and pop culture. I'm Danny. I'm Sheldon. And welcome to our podcast. And I'm very cold. You're very cold, yes. Well, the whole world is cold. It, right now it's like, what, two days after the day after tomorrow or whatever out there. It's very cold, yes. It's, um, I mean, it, I, I hear it's very cold in England. Yeah. It's very cold in parts of america too yes um all my texas friends are like without power their power keeps shutting off and which is wild for the brits out there who don't know texas even in america we consider them a wild card they do whatever the hell they want including have their own power grid Mm -hmm. like they that that what yeah (laughs) except it's not all of texas like el paso and like a teeny tiny bit of west texas are in like the west coast power grid Interesting. so it's funny there are like a sliver of people in texas that do have power but they live in the part where it's like not populated as much weird but yeah like texas is frozen yeah like my parents back in missouri who i can't remember the last time they had snow in february got like six inches hmm yeah, it's snowing a lot of places. Yeah, friends in Washington um, have over a foot. Yeah, so wherever you are, listeners, we have American listeners, English listeners, um, Norwegian, Danish, German. German. We have, yeah, we have people all over. Um, wherever you are, we hope that you are warm. Yeah, stay um, safe, stay, stay indoors. Safe. Drink a hot cuppa. Yeah, drink some tea. Speaking of, what are you sipping on, Danny? Oh, I am drinking a green tea. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I try to drink green in the evening, yeah. um, but when it's not evening, I am always drinking a black tea. I'm just always drinking a black tea. I mean, yeah. I like green tea, mm-hmm. but if I want a hot tea, I usually want black. I mean, I always want black tea. And I almost always want chai. In the evening. Yeah, you're a big chai fan. I need to do like a live taste test at some point. Line mm-hmm. up all the chais and just see which one I like the best. Yeah. Hmm. And you're Maybe also I'll drinking like chai tea from a bag. True. Yeah, I don't hand make it. Yeah. Um, we should sometime. I would like to, but I also, it's one of those things where I'm like, there's so much involved and I like it as is, you know, where it's mm. like. But we should sometime. We should. I think Just that would be fun. get the ingredients. There's a lot of people on TikTok showing you how to make the perfect chai. Oh, and I love following that guy. I forget that, his name. That but one you know guy. who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's great. Also, I was thinking about tea the other day. I know like. <laughs> a weird sentence, <laughs> but uh, like a lot of people, especially Brits, put milk and sugar in their tea. Hmm. I mean, I say a lot. I don't know how many people do. Like, is it, how common is it if you're in the UK to put sugar or milk in your tea? Like, That's I hear it offered a lot very in good movies question. and TV. I do see on TV people would be putting like milk and, I mean, maybe it's like a coffee thing. Like, you're having your morning cup of tea, so you put some milk, you put some sugar in it. I don't know. I just know that you and I... Like, we rarely ever do. We don't put anything in our tea. And when I... I grew up drinking hot tea with my mom. And 
but of course, because we're Americans, like, you know, we'd microwave the water. We would microwave microwave a mug of tea yeah. and then put some sugar in it. And that was our tea. And then I got older and then, you know, learned how to actually like boil water for tea, <laughs> um, get a kettle, an electric kettle. Um, but yeah, you and I don't put anything in our tea. And growing up, I didn't have hot tea. Like where I was from in Southeast Missouri, yeah. all the tea you drink is sweet tea. Yeah. Or like... They make a point to say, like, we have tea and we have unsweetened tea. Mm-hmm. Because unsweetened tea isn't the norm. Isn't like, the default. Which is so wild to me. Anytime I go back and visit home yeah. to just see a giant pitcher full of sugar tea, <laughs> which is, like, fine. Yeah. That's great. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah. I actually drink... I would actually always have put sugar in my tea. Um, and then about eight or nine years ago... I was reading something online where someone was like, I drink six cups of tea a day. I cannot be putting sugar in that because yeah. that's a lot of sugar a day. And uh, someone was like, oh, I can't really, I can't drink tea without sugar. And someone, and he said, drink it for a week without sugar in it. Then and you good. will develop a taste for tea without sugar in it. And so I tried it and it's true now. I will put sugar in my tea every now and then, but um, I just love the taste of tea on its own. Yeah. It's so I mean, good. I, I'd rather have milk in it than sugar, I think. Especially like a Same. like an Earl Grey or an Irish breakfast. Just a tiny bit just splash. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of milk just, in just there. Just a little. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about uh, news. Yeah. Do you have any good British news? So I don't have uh, current events news <laughs> okay um but Brit for britain but i do have some is some interesting information that uh, involves england Ooh, and okay. something that i learned this last week and I, I immediately wrote it down and was like i'm gonna read this on the podcast <laughs> um so i recently found out something really interesting and that is the fact that the teenage mutant ninja turtles tv show and movies that you and i grew up with right here in america in the 90s yeah. Um, is totally different than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that kids grew up with in England. How do you mean? Well, for one thing, in England, it was not called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What did they change? It That's was, kind of a big part of the show. You'd think. Um, in England, it was called the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. TMHT. Yeah. The theme song was different. The logo was different. They changed it. Yeah, interesting. Guessing it didn't work very well. No, it was very popular. Very popular. So they... I actually have more info about that. Yeah, I (laughs) I gotta unpack this. There's so much here. Someone told me um, that there's a whole thing about England and the history of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in England. And it also had to do with like one of their most famous like TV censors. And it also had to do with nunchucks. And so I went and I found an article. This was on tedium.com. And there's a whole article about this. And uh, it's called No Nunchucks. How (laughs) the quirks of a conservative British censor led one of the most popular cartoons in history to appear in censored form during the height of its success. Wow. And basically, I took some notes about the article. You can read the whole article. But um, so apparently, so British kids grew up with the hero turtles. They were not the Ninja Turtles. So interesting. Um, It's all due to American-born director James Furman, who lived in the UK most of his adult life 
and eventually became the country's primary cultural censor. Mistake. <laughs> don't, don't put an American in charge of that, guys. He was the head of the British Board of Film Classification. So this all starts back in the 70s when Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee came out. Phenomenal movie. Great movie. Um, and in it, he uses nunchucks. It's, yes. And it's on the poster, too. It's yeah. him holding them um, straight across. Yeah, and that kind of, like, gleam off of them. Yeah, so he was very against the nunchucks because he felt that they were a weapon of the street hooligan. Um, and unlike yeah. a gun or a knife, they are too easy to construct. So they were just inherently dangerous to put on TV um, and very, very dangerous for children to see. But so. like a long stick, that's <laughs> fine. That is very difficult to come by. Speaking what? of a long stick, when Enter the Dragon, I guess this was like after it had already come out. This is like years later when you could like buy it. Um, or it would be screened, um, the poster in England had to have, instead of nunchucks, he was holding a long stick. <laughs> so, but, I mean, I, I guess I don't understand how that's not seen as a I weapon. Don't, I don't know. This guy, for some reason, oh. hated nunchucks to but a also, level that we will never understand. I think there's something there with the word ninja that he's, there's a, a weird layer of racism here that I don't want to fully unpack Possibly. on a comedy podcast. I, I think more than possibly, if he took out the word ninja and made it hero, that means he did not think ninja was a positive mm. nomenclature for what these turtles were. And he had to enforce the fact that despite these are hooligans having weapons, they're heroes. Yeah. Which is problematic, yeah. as we say in 2020s yep. terms. Well, um, people definitely argued about this. Um, the fact that he was so against this and people were like, it just seems really silly to spend all this time editing out the nunchucks from the show and any mention of them. Yeah. Um, spending so how, much money. Well, and also how silly it was to do that when Leonardo is carrying around two swords, swords. <laughs> which are way more violent. If you and think about it, it's like he, he thinks they're weapons of street hooligans. Like that's the whole point. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are street hooligans like <laughs> they live under the street sure but then they also beat up street hooligans yep, like it's I, true oof, um so oof. the what another interesting layer to this is that the heavy editing that tmnt was getting in the uk tmht the sorry the tmht <laughs> the heavy editing that it was receiving in the uk actually caused the show to work around it so this American-made wow. show, in later seasons, the weapons were showcased less and less. And they were mm. utilized less and less. The first season, they're just like, they come out just like attacking everyone with their weapons. Yeah. And it actually, they toned it down because it was getting edited so heavily in the UK. So I think that is really interesting that it actually changed the show. Yeah, that's wild. Um, uh, everyone basically started to think he was going too hard for too long about this whole nunchuck thing. And so later, um, at one of the board meetings for this board, someone brought up police data about the fact that there were no significant reports of use of nunchucks in the streets of England. Being Probably like, ever. hey, no yeah. one ever uses these. And he goes, his reply to that was, that is due to... A testament to what we're Yes, doing, that yeah. is due to the success of me censoring them out. So, um, You know yeah. what? America has not had any, like, laser gun attacks. Because <laughs> we're editing out all of our laser guns. We don't have laser guns. We don't guns. have any. Um, anyway, so there stupid. is more to the story. There's apparently oh. a whole book about censorship in the UK. 
I forget what it's called, but um, I actually might try to read it because yeah. it sounds really fascinating. So um, I I'm love, so sorry I you guys have hero too. turtles. But, you know what? They're pretty cool as hero turtles. Um, but they don't know the theme song. Now I have to look up their theme song. So I, I didn't click on it, but there is, you can watch the UK version. Yeah. I would actually like to watch it. Um, so yeah, I've got a couple emails, a couple of, yeah, li- read one, a couple of listener emails. Um, so this one is from Robert Eagle. Great name. Robert Again. says the subject line, <laughs> the subject line of this email is my new favorite podcast. Ooh. And he says, Hi, Danny and Sheldon. Hope you're both well. I started listening yeah. to your podcast in the new year and have now finished most episodes. Wow. I've visited the U.S. a number of times, and here are my top three cultural misunderstandings. Ooh, I would love <laughs> to hear this. Number one, the British use both imperial and metric measurements interchangeably and in an entirely illogical way. That's true. However, car journeys are usually described by duration. Ah. Interesting, rather than mile. Um, Number two, how pubs work. Pub bars are the only socially acceptable place where one can queue jump. You can stand about in a pub and drink. Mm. Nobody tips. Oh, and our pints are a third larger than yours. Yeah. Which I didn't know. Did know that. You did? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why if you watch like uh, a movie where somebody asks for a pint, like Mm. they're giant glasses compared to I don't think I ever... Yeah. I mean, I'm really small, so every glass of beer to me is a large glass of beer. <laughs> so I don't think I ever noticed that pints in England were larger. To his first point, I um, it's it's weird, but I think I mentioned on the podcast before, one of my favorite subreddits is Casual UK, mm. where it's just a lot of Brits talking about their British problems. It's fantastic. Um, but somebody brought up, they're like, if they couldn't imagine living in Australia or America... In saying something casually like, well, I took a six-hour car ride. Because that's such a, like, a baffling, horrifying thought for oh. somebody who lives on, like, a small island. Because, like, wouldn't where, like, that be across England? You could, yeah, you, you could do the whole thing. Oh, interesting. But that's one of those things where it's like, you could drive for eight hours and not be across Texas. It's like true. we were talking yeah. about earlier. Like, not even be close. Yeah. So, um... Wow, interesting. Yeah, so that, that first thing, knowing that... You, you say time for duration rather than how far. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense in a place where time... It's always going to be like three hours. Well, it's, yeah, duration two, is shorter anyway. 45 so. minutes, yeah. Interesting. Um, number three, he says, there is no such thing as a British accent. Accents are extremely regional and can change significantly, significantly within just a few miles. That is actually something that here in America, we say English accent, British accent, but... I've noticed a lot in um, the UK, people will say Manchester accent, Northern accent, stuff yeah, like it's, that. I, so. I think, you know, it's just like we will say, like if somebody's a Chicago or a New York or a Boston, like mm-hmm. you can tell when somebody is from a certain area. And I think especially if you're from that country. Yeah. Like, do we know the different dialects of England? How many there are? No. I can tell when somebody's <laughs> posh or like if they're Northern that's about it. Like, you know, like I can, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure I could piece, piece with my ear and be like, okay, these are five different British accents, but I know they're all British, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it's one yeah, of yeah, those yeah. things. If I, if you hear an American, you're like, oh, he has an American accent. Mm-hmm. It's a, a dialect of an American accent, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
he also says, if you are looking for tea, formerly known as snack time suggestions, then look no further than Melton Mau Mowbray. Is it Mowbray? 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 Melton Mowbray pork pie. Absolutely delicious, served cold with virtually any pickle or relish. Mm, like mm, Branston pickle. Yeah. Do you remember when we tried Branston pickle? I do. And I loved it. You lost your mind. Um, it was so good. Um, okay, cool. Uh, he also says, if you are looking for shows to cover in future episodes, can I suggest Always. Life on Mars and its sequel, Ashes to Ashes. It's a time-traveling police show which, which mixes action and sci-fi paranormal elements with social commentary. I've actually Love been meaning things. to watch Life on Mars for years because John, so John Sim is in it. He's yeah. like the lead. Um, uh, the work of Victoria Wood a much-loved comedian working from the early 80s to her death in the 2010s, she left a massive body of stand-up, sketch shows, wow. and a sitcom, Dinner Ladies, and a musical stage show. Look up Let's Do It, The Ballad of Barry and Freda online. You'll be hooked. I think I've... Okay. I think we've played that video before. Hmm. It's it's like her at the piano, and she's like a wife singing to the husband, like, let's do it. And he's like giving her all the reasons why oh, yeah, yeah. he's like too tired and stuff. I think that's what that is. Um, and if so, it was it's so funny. So funny. Um, uh. Bob says, anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Keep up the good work, Bob Eagle. Thanks. Very, yeah, I very good. Definitely want to check out that show. And it reminded me of something. Uh, I know we, we're going to get to our, our topic real quick, but I did want to bring up something sad about a former uh, show that we covered, Truth Seekers. Officially uh, got canceled. Um, that is a shame. Because they were really setting up something interesting with yes. Simon Pegg and uh, What's-Her-Face's character. Oh, yeah. Ooh. But, Yeah. Damn yeah, shame. I am really sad about Truth Seekers. Hopefully all of those actors get more work. I yeah. think like the young actors on that show were really talented. So um, hopefully they bounce back. Um, well, Maybe that you. Nick Frost guy will get more work. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, well, thank you for the email, Bob. Do you want to talk about our topic? Yeah. So this is something that I'm sure every American is going to be mad that we're taking so long to talk about this. And a lot of Brits either don't know about the show or might not think it's British. So the the fact that we're covering it is going to enrage people. But I think it's also going to make people very happy that we're talking about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso! <sighs> a yeah. brand new show on Apple Plus. Apple TV Plus. Yeah, it came out in 2020. Yeah. Um, this was a show that from the very first moment I heard about it, I knew I was going to watch it. Because... The idea of an American trying to figure out England is always hilarious. Um, number two, I love Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. So He's incredible. I was always going to watch this show. And then when it came out, like I didn't have Apple Plus. And so I didn't watch right. it. And I didn't watch it. But everybody I knew who everybody I knew who watched it was telling me that I needed to watch it. People couldn't stop raving about it. <laughs> and... That's what we're going to do for the next hour, so strap in. Well, okay, well, let's <laughs> we got, we, we do have some criticisms, I'm sure, but... Oh, true, true. For the most part. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, do you, do you want to just get it out of the way right now? Do you think this is a British show? No. Really? I really enjoy it. I think it's a show... It's a fish-out-of-water American show of Americans and what their idea of England is. And I think that's why it also appeals to us that we like British mm. culture. But I I feel like... It's 70% there and 30% like, no, not at all British culture. It pretty, it to me, it, and I respect that opinion, of course. 
in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a British American show. Because what does that mean? most of the cast is British. The directors are British. Um, I know the writers are American. And the lead character is American. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's all filmed in England. And it's all about English culture. So I, I feel like I wouldn't say that this is just a British show. But I would, I, I would call it an American British show. I'm not saying it's like irreverent. I don't think that they're going here being like, we don't care at all. We're making our own soccer show. Like, <laughs> they're, they're doing their best to make it feel like it is taking place in England. It does I, take place in England. No, no, and that's what I'm saying. That they're really going hard to make it feel that way. And I think they do succeed in a lot of ways. But I'm going to bring up some trivia later showing that, like, they're very careful about what they're showing. Gotcha. And what they're presenting to us and where it is in London. They're being... They're good at what they do. They're making a TV show. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Interesting. Feel free to write in if you have an opinion, listener. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm not saying, like, it's a phenomenal show. Like, I think it's really great. I think their approach to, like, a, a kind-hearted, naive American trying to fit in in a football club, like, there is so much humor there that feels real enough to where somebody in a football club had to help write a lot of mm-hmm. the plot lines. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like there is truth to most of it. Yeah. But it feels American to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but do we want to talk about like who is in the show? Like obviously we we mentioned a little bit. It's a show about a US American football coach named Ted Lasso mm-hmm. getting to hired to um go to the UK and manage a struggling London uh European well, style he's the football. Coach. Um yeah. So we, we touch on it a little bit, but it's essentially a show that is all about a, uh, a man named Ted Lasso, who was a uh, U.S. American football coach, like a collegiate football head coach, and got hired to be the head coach of a struggling London football team, a European-style football. So a man that had never, ever coached <laughs> or knew any of the rules of what he calls soccer. Yeah was hired um, and you quickly see it's a uh, producer's type scenario mm-hmm. where they hired him so that he will be bad and that they will lose all of their money. Yes. Um, and that quickly doesn't go to plan because turns out he's a good coach and a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's good where a lot of the fun of the show good is. Good at inspiring people. Someone online also did point out that it is the same premise as Major League. Yeah. Which I have seen Major League multiple times as a child I don't think I ever picked up on the plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's the thing, is that this is not new. Like, mm-hmm. a fish-out-of-water coaching thing, that is, like, classics of sports TV. Like, gotcha. I mean, the Mighty Ducks is the same way. Yeah. There's, like, um, not Hoosiers, but what's the <clears throat> basketball one? doesn't matter. There, there are so many that, like, this is, like, sports drama. Yeah. Always getting that person that you don't expect, shoving him in there. Yeah. But what is new is a type of character like Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Almost always in American sports shows, the coach is a hard ass mm-hmm. in every level of his life, whether he is, like, cocky and arrogant or if he's, like, he came up rough and tumble on the streets and he has to give back to the kids. But, like, the coach always challenges them in a rough way and that, like, at some point in the film or the show, you earn that soft interior of him. Mm-hmm. And with Ted Lasso, it's only soft exterior. <laughs> and it's just joy and love. But he's still pushing people. Right. He's pushing the players. He pushes Nathan. Yeah. 
He pushes Coach um, Beard. <laughs> yeah, do we want to talk about the characters? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the cast. Um, so obviously, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso. Yes. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We love him. Um, Rebecca Welton, who is like the head of the club, is played by Hannah Waddingham. Mm-hmm. Who we had to look up and people that may not know her filmography, she is the woman who chants shame in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she's um, the shame nun. She's the shame nun. Obviously, she has a, a giant role in the last couple seasons, yeah, but yeah. shame nun. Wow, um, she's great. She's phenomenal in this. I love her. And her singing voice in the mm-hmm. karaoke scene. She's very good. And you told me she comes from a family of opera singers, right? Yes. Like, her mother and mother's grandparents were opera singers, apparently. I don't know. I read that online. Who knows? Man, but obviously she's got talent. That, yeah. That's singing. She's great. This she's was incredible. A, this was a great role for a woman. Yeah. And another great role for a woman <laughs> is Keely Jones, played oh by Juno God. Tempo. This which, is my favorite thing I've ever seen Juno Tempo By in. far. Like, a lot. But yeah, I agree. I think Juno Temple's excellent in this. This is one of her best things. Um, another person we mentioned, Coach Beard, is played by Brendan Hunt, who is an American that we love in an episode of Community. <laughs> that um, he, he sings a song called Jesus Loves Marijuana, um, which is a very funny song. And he's also in uh, a lot of episodes of Key and Peele. Mm. Um, I don't know if he helped write it or if he was like just a, a recurring actor but i know like that's where like you've probably seen him in a lot of key and peel sketches okay um and then higgins is played by jeremy swift oh my god um who is from downton abbey and mary poppins returns i think mm-hmm. he's somebody who's been getting a lot of work recently yeah um he's great he's, he's also in the soap doctors which well is it not a soap but everybody's in do- the doctors yeah but i feel like he was in it a lot i just feel where. like Almost every British actor I look up on IMDb has been on that show. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> like get your star. Everyone, everyone has to be on the Doctors. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of money for that. Um, also, Phil Dunster. Who's that? He um, he plays Jamie Tot. Oh do, yeah. Do, 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 do. Great. You hate um, him. You hate him, but he's really good. Also, yeah. I didn't realize until I looked it up that he was in Murder on the Orient Express. Oh shoot. And like, I cannot place him. But, like, I looked it up, and I, I even, I'll show you, like, the, the picture. Like, he's the dad of the kid. Oh, wow. Right? So, I think he's in the flashback story, so he's not on the train. Fascinating. But I don't remember him at all. Yeah, yeah. There but was a lot of people in that movie. He does a great job in Ted Lasso being a real cocky, smug, arrogant mm-hmm. guy. Like, he nailed to me that person who is bigger than this, mm-hmm. that... Um, I I was blessed enough to go to a high school where we had uh, somebody very talented at basketball, and he ended up playing in the NBA for several years. But he was the nicest, most down-to-earth guy about it. Like, he knew he was going to play basketball, yeah. but was, like, really kind to people. Yeah. And his younger brother had a lot of the same talent, not as much. Mm-hmm. Biggest jerk in the world. Wow. You could tell, like, he was living in his brother's shadow, always wanted to be him, was always angry, like, a mean person. Got, like, I don't know, I don't want to go too deep into it. Got in trouble a lot at school. Yeah. And it just felt like he had the same energy, the same attitude of being, like, well, I'm better than all the rest of the basketball players here. I'm going to get to the NBA someday. So, like, why do I have to play, like, a team player? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really hard to play an asshole well yeah. and to make an audience hate you immediately. For sure. But, Remember, man. I hated Jimmy Tart. He does. 
Um, um, Anthony Head is in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as uh, Rupert Mannion, oh. the former owner of the team. Yeah. Um, and he is now dating gosh. a new Rebecca. He's <laughs> so good in this role. Like, he's incredible. He's like, oh, gosh. You just believe that he's just this, like, rich guy who's always dating 20-year-olds. Yeah, he was fantastic He's looking good, this. too. Yeah, Anthony. Like, uh, he feels like he hasn't aged that much since Buffy. Yeah. And I know he has. No, he but... looks great. I love Anthony Head. Uh, we also have Brett Goldstein, who played the legendary Roy Kent. Mm. Um, who he's is He's great. He's really good. I had a huge crush on him in this. Oh, great. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> I think um, people out there listening know who his character is based on. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. But... Um, I think he captures, like, a very good energy. Mm. Um, somebody else who captures a very good energy, the last of the cast I really want to talk about, is Nick Muhammad, who plays Nate. Oh, my gosh. The kit guy. What a great character. Phenomenal. What an actor who, yeah. like, he's in the first episode and makes an impression of a guy who, like, you think he's yelling to get them off the field, but then he's, get like, trying to protect it. Because get off the grass! To him... That pitches everything. Yeah. And when he realizes it's the new coaches, he apologizes and tries to give the grass <laughs> to like, them. We can get you some grass if you'd like. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's energy. so funny. And how he kept laughing at um, the coaches' jokes. When yeah. he was like, oh, your name is Nathan? I like your hot dogs. And then he was like, ha 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 ha. And he goes, oh, you have Nathan hot dogs over here? And he was like, no. <laughs> yeah, but he's just nervous. He wants to make so, a good impression. I do love Nate. He's oh. a good character. Um, I also want to talk about uh, the character of Danny Rojas. Danny, Danny Rojas. <laughs> um, because that is also a great character. <laughs> oh, and Sam. Sam. The guy who plays Sam. Like, honestly, there's a great cast of supporting characters mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. probably real up-and-coming actors, and they grab some good ones. They all contribute very well to the overall happy feeling of the show. And I think it helps too. Like you have characters like we didn't talk about um, Isaac who becomes the captain of the team. Yeah. Like who's just this big, strong, grumpy man. Oh, but yeah. like you need a little bit of grump mm-hmm. to make everyone else's happiness believable. Where yeah, you're like, okay, true. this is a sports team where they're like, these are serious men. Yeah. You can't have everyone being goofy. Like you have to have people taking it seriously so you get the stakes. But you're right. Like, the energy in the locker room, especially towards the later half of the season, it's great. They do a really good job. And I also have to say, I do not care about sports. I hate sports. You never played team sports or anything, right? Hmm. I'll say, did you ever play sports after seventh grade? soccer in kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I say after, like, a seventh grade because there is a thing in watching children play sports where they don't understand the rules. They don't really understand teams. They don't, they just want to play together. Yeah. And so if you watch children's soccer or football, nobody is playing positions. It's just a mob of children following a ball around the field. That is how I played soccer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's how all children do. And then there's a goalie who doesn't understand why he's not with all of the other people running around in a group. Yeah. Uh, But then at a certain point, kids start to pick up positions and understanding like, all of the rules and actually getting what offsides is. Um, and I I did play a lot of organized sports. Like I was on a traveling soccer team. I played football. I, I was on a traveling track team. So the like locker room scenes bring back a lot of weird memories and smells for me. <laughs> like that's one of those like smell memories that mm. a locker room is specific. 
you can't clean it enough. And then like it's it's cleaning products and sweat. Yeah. And so like they I think nailed how clean a locker room looks, but then just like the way the boys inhabit it. I'm like, yeah, this feels real. Yeah. It's not as like major league with people hanging everything up in their jerseys, but they do have like each of their lockers is personal and theirs. Yeah. And so whenever the coach like goes and looks into one locker, it's a big deal when she's uh when Keely is like, Hey, what are you doing in my locker? <laughs> that was really good. Um Yeah, I think they, they really nailed that the sports energy of like of a team Mm -hmm. of a group of knowing that like these are men that live together that are like making a living yeah together like which is something that ted lasso doesn't know as much he comes into it with college kids like people just getting out of high school still not knowing what life is these are men i don't think that i realized that he was a college coach Oh, they say it a couple of times, and, and they say that he... I don't know anything about sports, so it just all... Well, I'll, I'll, so I'll say this to everyone out there. Um, if it has state after it, that's a college team. Even if it's not a state. So he came from Wichita State. That's okay. a college team. Okay. Um, no sport professional sports teams in America have state involved in their name. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. But here's, he is from Wichita State, which is in Kansas. Yeah. Um, Jason Sudeikis is from Kansas, mm. um, which I feel like he kept in there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the Wichita State is such a good college for them to choose for this, too, because that's a small mid-major school. So, like, even in the sense of this, them go- him going to this football club, they are a smaller like struggling club Mm -hmm. and it's the same with like wichita state is not a great school they're not one of the ones that you're going to see on espn they'll never play for a big championship like they're a small kind of not as well-known team yeah but it's teams like that that every once in a while with a good coach can win like nine games and then all of a sudden everyone in america is like what is that guy doing over there (laughs) with these people that like don't have the talent needed to win the amount of games that they are and so getting a guy like that and bringing him from a club like that shows that he's interested in coaching. He's not interested in fame and success and like winning titles. Like that comes later. And and he even brings up coaching to him isn't winning or losing. Mm. It's coaching. And that I think is such a good tenet of sports that never gets covered. That people play to win and lose, sure. But like they play to become better. So the sports side of it was big for you. I enjoyed it. I wish we would have gotten more of the matches. We didn't get a lot. Um, they do kind of think, brush over them quickly. Do you think that part of that is because these actors aren't athletes? Sure. I mean, part of it's that. Part of it's the money that, like, to film in a stadium, like, that many extras has to be so much money. Um, especially because the the club that they say they're playing for doesn't exist. So there's not like a place where they can shoot yeah. regularly. Like they would have, to, I, I, I think even in the second season, we're probably not going to see a lot more playing on the field. Yeah. Uh, which I get, but I um, do want to see more of it. There is one more character that we didn't touch on. Ooh, who's that? Um, and that is the uh, writer, the journalist, Trent Krim. Oh, Trent Krim, the independent. Such a good character name. Such a British name. Trent, Trent Krim. Krim. And then the guy who plays him. Oh, he looks so delightful European. Yeah. 
and he's like, very what a like snob. he's very condescending in the way he talks and so but i love the whole the episode where he kind of like goes around with ted and just like you know gets to know him so we can write his article and and just like you're like ted's never gonna win over this guy and then he does and it's really and sweet what's well, like he he kind of does he does in a lot of ways it's and i true. think it's i think true. trent like the article that they have him read at the end shows that one this trent crim guy great writer yeah to be able to like still keep your opinions about a man yeah but then say like whether you like it or not, this man is doing the best he can to like ingratiate himself into our community mm-hmm. with like with his players. Like he he has ideas. He knows what he wants to accomplish. He might not know the game, but like he's a good man and a good coach. And that like that concession by him, I think, is enough for Ted to like him forever. Yeah, it's true. Where it's like, yeah, job done. Well, I did, even I did if, it. Even if he dragged him, Ted would still be like, I appreciated the day I had with you. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that actor, too, who plays Trent Crim. James Lance. Yes. So I know him from something that I would like to cover on here at some point. There's this um, show. No. Oh. <laughs> there is a show called um, The Book Group. Ooh, okay. Or the book club? I can't I remember. Know. I watched it. It was like a Scottish show that I watched years ago, and it has oh. Karen Kilgariff is on it. Okay, that's as, that makes um, sense. One of the girls' uh, American sister comes to visit, and it's Karen. Uh, anyway, I just it was cool to see him again because I love when I'm, people from that pop up in my shows and everything. So, uh, yeah, no, there are so many good characters like. The lady who owns the pub. Oh my God, she's phenomenal. She's great. I love when she explains to Ted what a wanker is. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, thank you. I am a visual learner. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I, I just, I really, really love the the characters. And because, so like, Ted's great. He's so optimistic. He's so cheery. It's delightful. And then Coach Beard is so quiet. Yeah. And he reminds and sometimes me sometimes creepy. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little borderline. Bit. But he reminds me of people I know in real life who are those guys yeah. who are quiet, quiet. They're not talking. They let you yammer on. Uh, and they they'll go along with your jokes, but they won't really say much. And then out of nowhere, they come in with their own little brand of humor. Yeah, it's like that snake in the basket type of comedy. And it's just, uh, it's really funny. Well, and that's like the kind of energy you have to have as an assistant coach. Like you can't be more than the head coach. Mm-hmm. So that felt really real too, where he's like, he's a number two to Ted always, like ready to give him like anything. Yeah. But like he's bringing that energy of like, yep, nope, you take the spotlight, Ted. I'll just sit right here on your desk. Yep. <laughs> I also really, really love that um there's so many like relationship plot lines in this show in this season that all work out really well Hmm. and 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 some of them are romantic and some of them are friendship most of them really and they're really good and i really really love keely and rebecca's friendship how they go from just barely knowing each other to like really being friends who have like opened up to each other it's really really cool yeah it's like i mean it's just it's a show about soccer football but more than that, it's a show about loss and love and how we connect with other people about mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that love is more than just intimacy. Like love is friendship. Love is a community. Love is a, love is loving yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the show really wants to cover every aspect of how you can get hurt from love. 
and get stronger through it. And a sh- like a sports show focusing on that, <laughs> pretty bold. Especially when something seems as cliche as like an American is coaching a British team. What yeah. wacky hijinks is he going to get up to? Yeah. And it's it's just about love. <laughs> Danny, mm. would you like to take tea? Yes. It is time for tea. Tea time. Okay, welcome to Tea Time. This is the part of the podcast where we try an English snack. Uh, And what have we got today? Today, in uh, honor of Ted Lasso, we're trying some shortbread. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for many reasons. One, because in the show... Uh, Ted keeps bringing these little boxes of really delicious looking shortbread to, um, the manager of the team. He's trying to, like, do biscuits with the boss, and and that's how they're going to bond and get to know each other. And she initially is very against it, um, (laughs) but she loves the biscuits. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and then you find out later he's actually been baking it himself. Because of course he has. Because he's, you know. he's Ted. A beautiful angel of a man. And, uh, yeah, so they really focus on how good this shortbread looks. And luckily, we were just given a gift uh, (laughs) by our friend Casey. (laughs) This is a tin of Walker's shortbread, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I mean, I know I'm an American, but I'm going to go ahead and say it is the best shortbread that you can buy. Okay. Walker's of Scotland. Wow. Um, it's It's the best. I've never had shortbread better than this. Maybe somebody's homemade shortbread is better, but... um, You heard it here first. This is... (laughs) It's probably not a controversial opinion. (laughs) I'm sure everyone thinks Walker's is the best. I don't know. Um, So this is a... We'll put a picture of it on our... It's um, wild. Our Instagram and our Facebook, but (laughs) this is a celebrating the marriage of... (laughs) Say it. (laughs) H-R-H... Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. His, his royal highness. Oh my god, I was wondering. It's like, what, what are you struggling I with? Was, I didn't know what HRH meant. Yeah, I, his royal highness. Wow, okay. So this is a this is a limited edition tin of Prince Harry marrying Meghan Markle shortbread. Yeah. And it, um, it looks like he's whispering a secret right into her ear. It's got a picture of them. It's just a black tin. Yeah. And then on the front, it's got a picture of them. And, like, they look cute, but it's not, like, that flattering. This like, it's, is, an, it's an odd choice. I love this, though. This is the silliest thing that anyone's ever given me as a gift. Um, but, yeah, you open it up, and then there's this little thing on the inside. It almost answer. looks like a wedding invitation, and it says celebrating the marriage. Of, but, yeah, and then inside is a bunch of Walker's shortbread. Yeah. And they're in little rectangles, and they have... Um, the Union Jack stamped on they them. They have a Union Jack on them. So, yeah. So, we've both had Walker shortbread before. But let's try it and talk about shortbread. Let's try it now and just really, you know, give a good review of Walker's yeah. shortbread. Okay, so we've eaten the shortbread. We've chewed it up. What do you think? It's very buttery, very flaky, mm. delicious, light. It's it's perfect (laughs) it's so good i've been eating walkers since i was a little kid because my mom would get them 
from little specialty stores now and then. And we would just mm. eat the little eat the little pieces of Walker shortbread. It's so good. It's so buttery, like yeah. you said, which I think is like one of the hallmarks of yeah. shortbread. Buttery. It's got a short crust, which they talk about in Great British Bake Off a lot. It's true. It has a wonderful short crust. Um, but yeah, it just comes apart very easily when you bite it. And then it just melts. Yeah, it's this delicious. is a see. Unlike you, this is a cookie that I did not have until I was an adult. Like mm. we didn't do a lot of store bought cookies in general when I was young. Oh, I your mean, mom is a great baker. Because yeah, like my mom or my grandma would just bake, and we would have like a lot of baked goods all the time. Yeah. Um, and anytime we did do like store bought cookies, it was usually for like a trip of some sort. So it always it wouldn't be like nice fancy ones it would be like chips ahoy whatever like a group of campers is gonna eat gotcha so like walkers isn't something like a shortbread isn't something my family focused on when it came to cookies gotcha um so i appreciate a lot i think it's tasty um they're so good yeah i think walkers is very good i don't think shortbread is my favorite kind of cookie Mm. but this is a damn good version of it right yeah. It's so good. I love Walkers. Uh, Walkers makes those mince pies that we get at Christmas. Oh, so good. So good. I had um, too many of them this year. Yeah, we couldn't stop. We couldn't stop eating them. Um, yeah, these are great. Um, mm-hmm. And now we have a couple, like, couple what, weeks worth. 40 or 50 more in there? Of little pieces. <laughs> Not that many. Probably, there's probably like 20 <laughs> of left. Of Union, Union Jack shortbread. So thank you to our friend Casey Splinter. Thank you, Casey. Because I know you're going to listen to this episode. Because I yeah. know you love Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, and she will be happy about the amount of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff we talked it's about. It's true. Because Casey was actually named. After for, Splinter. And yeah, Casey. And Casey. Yeah. And Casey also told me to uh, watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. So. <laughs> that anyway. was the final straw that got you to <laughs> yeah. wow, push over the line. Wow, she's very connected to this episode. Yeah. Casey, if you're listening. We love you. We love you. <laughs> also your dog. Your dog's so great. We she's do love beautiful. your dog. Um, okay, well, yeah, do you want to get back into our topic? Let's get back to it. I'll see you on the pitch. Get off the grass! <laughs> what do you think are some of the best jokes or lines from Ted Lasso? Oh, man. Because I wrote some down. I think there's a lot of good jokes. The delivery and the commitment is what I like the most. That there's, like, great physical comedy bits, and there's just so much... I don't know, with the way they shoot, I think my favorite joke is whenever they're all mad at the coach Mm. and both of his coaches are not talking to him. And they're on the sidelines and Coach Beard gets further and further and further away from him. Every time he looks over, Coach Beard is like five more feet away. And then finally (laughs) he's way down by like the penalty kicks. Um, That I think is my favorite joke or gag in the whole... Well, that's one of the cool things about Ted Lasso is that there are really great wordplay jokes Mm, yeah um and then there's also really great physical comedy so it's like you don't you can get people that are a fan of both in on watching this yeah um but yeah no some of my favorite so i love when he um when she gives him the tea for the first time and he's like (laughs) "Ooh, i never liked it but you know when in rome and he takes a sip and he's like hmm you know i always kind of thought tea would taste like hot brown water 
And uh, it does. <laughs> and he hates it. The whole show, he hates it. He hates and tea. I'm really hoping that he comes around on tea. I hope he never does. Oh, I See, will- no, I want him to never like it. Every time I want the audience to have a glimmer of hope, like, yeah, he finally gets it. He gets it. And then he's like, nope, this is awful. What are you guys talking about? Like, I, I do also love uh, the ongoing joke that he, anytime he gets sparkling water and he, he's not ready for it, he spits water. it out. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that first press conference that he has. It's, it's bad. It's brutal. It's funny, though. Um, I also do like when he gets the shredded meat and he pours it into his <laughs> bowl and it's just one piece of shredded and it's giant. Yeah. And, and then, then later Coach Beard is like, do you want to get breakfast? He said, no, I had a piece He's of like, cereal. No, I had one giant piece of cereal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also love that he gives his son... Like an unbuttered scone. Yeah. Just like, here's a scone. I'm like, oh, that's so gross. He's like, this, this, it'll take all the spit out of your mouth. Um, I forget what the start of the joke was, but he was like, oh, that's a really funny story. Let me tell you. Actually, did y'all get the OJ trial over here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's one of those things me. like, yeah, realizing you're in another country and being like, oh yeah, oh, this wait. thing that was a staple. Do you guys of, know about that? Yeah, like, I'm sure you know of it but do you know it oh yeah. so funny um i also love when the uh the sun newspaper was gonna run that picture of him and keely Ooh. and um what's her name rebecca was like oh I, I i got someone to not run it and she was like i spoke to the owner of the sun today <laughs> you spoke he, to god you spoke to god it's just so good it, and i agree with oh. you fully with what you just said a couple minutes ago I think the jokes are very, very good, but I think if they if they didn't have a talented cast delivering these jokes, they yeah. would not work. Because, like, the the idea that a model actress like Keeley mm-hmm. could record a whole bunch of stuff for a hotel and not remember it is a funny joke. Yeah. But on top of that, it's a joke that's predicated with her boss thinking they were having a conversation, but she was having a conversation with the recorded message. And that leads to later on them celebrating at a karaoke bar Mm -hmm. that you as the audience know that's where they're going to go. Mm -hmm. Like, not only is it a joke, but it's so well weaved into the entire story of the plot line. And I think that's the best part about the humor in the show is that it's not... I think a lot of shows now, like looking at you letter kenny um or just like joke 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 yeah and then the plot of the episode you're like i don't know what happened that episode yeah but like this they're like no no we're taking care to tell you a story it's true and hopefully you laugh too Mm -hmm. i I love nate getting under the vehicle and getting trapped (laughs) under there getting trapped under the bus that's dumb but funny yeah like there's so much i also love how ted gives them all a book and mm. they all think it's kind of random, but then, like, the books, he specifically selected A Wrinkle in Time for Roy. Yeah. Um, and then Roy's like, what even is even A Wrinkle in Time? And that's when uh, Trent Krim is like, yeah. oh, it's a wonderful novel about a girl struggling with the burden of leadership as she travels through space. And then Roy just <laughs> looks he's at just him. mad about he it. He goes, am I supposed to be the little girl? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Ted goes... Well, I'd like you to be. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> you to be. It's really good. It's just really funny. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I I love I love it. Man, it, it's just such a good show. And I mean, we're talking about the humor, but they also handle drama really well, mm-hmm. and not just like very sad stuff. Like we've talked about, like Rebecca's marriage falling apart, yeah. or like her she's dealing with divorce, and then Ted has to deal with divorce, but. Mm-hmm then they they handle sports loss really well. Mm. Like, 
to someone who doesn't know or follow sports, like, it's hard to describe what, like, a really rough loss is like. Knowing that you have spent months practicing and training for, like, you want to win every game, but there are some games that you're like, I want to win. Yeah. And to not win it, or, like, what happens in this show, getting, like, getting moved to relegation, like, getting kicked out of your good league and being, like, essentially kicked out of the minor leagues for Americans... There's nothing that hurts harder than that. And so they do such a good job in the show of building it up. And you think they've got a shot. Like they don't have to win the game. They have to tie it. That's all they have to do. And then they do tie it. And then immediately they lose Mm -hmm. because of their former player. But in doing so, like Jamie Tart shows growth and passes the ball. Yeah. And so like. It's like. It's the most bittersweet. It's like the team didn't win. But Ted still succeeded in bettering one of the hardest to better players. And it's going to go back to what I said earlier, because coaching is not about winning or losing to Ted. And that's what he says to to Trent, is that he's like, I'm not here for wins or losses. I'm here to better these these men on and off. Because you can tell, like, at the end of the day, Jamie Tart is one of the most famous footballers Mm -hmm. in this world. And his dad is still mad at him that he didn't score the winning shot. Like... Mm -hmm. That's winning and losing to some men. Mm-hmm. That this show very much carefully walks around what masculinity is and what it can be. I was going to say that that is something that this show does really well is that they're showing most of the people's bad behavior on here. They are showing why people are acting this way. Yeah. Rebecca is doing this terrible thing because she's so hurt over her divorce, yeah. you know? And like... Keely slept with Jamie again because she didn't think Roy was interested. Like they and have because a... she has a problem dating footballers and thinking she's getting old. Like, yeah, but it, I just think that it's really cool how many apologies happen in this one season of television. Yeah, there's so many moments I noticed where somebody, people get mad. Somebody comes to someone else and says, "I'm I'm really sorry. This is what happened," and then they go, "Okay." They don't, it's not like in a lot of shows where they'll draw out that anger and that grudge. They go, okay, they accept it and they move on. And I think it's really cool. I think also we watch too many shows with like young adults. (laughs) (laughs) Where they draw out the grudges. Yeah, that like that's what young people want. And adults don't, you don't need that. Like it slows you down. It's a burden. Older too, you don't have time for like. Yeah. Especially in a professional setting, like you don't want to have a grudge against your coworkers. Yeah. That doesn't help anyone. Yeah. But I do agree with what you were saying before I launched into this whole thing (laughs) about the fact that, yes, I think that they are showcasing um, so many different types of men and so many different types of behaviors from men. And, um, yeah, it's all pretty positive, you know? I think it's perfectly on display whenever they're all, like, trying to break the curse and they're burning something that means a lot to them. And having Sam talk about like i want to join the nigerian team Mm -hmm. like i would never i promise i wouldn't take this off my wall until i join that team yeah the fact that that to him a child who is now like hours and hours and hours away from his home Mm -hmm. away from anybody he ever knows like is burning this picture that means so much to him where now he is so far from still getting to that dream and then the next guy they cut to is crying because he's dumping out the sand of the first, like the beach of a supermodel that he had sex with. Like, yeah. 
they do a very good job <laughs> of being like, that's what matters to some men. Yeah, like, it's true. It mattered to him, I guess. <laughs> I also love, like, one thing I really love about Roy's character is um, how he's so grumpy and he's so mean. And, like, he's that way with his little niece, Phoebe. Like, yeah. he's so grumpy and he's so mean, but he always still is sweet to her. Oh, so yeah. he'll be like, mind your own business, Phoebe. But then he'll come back and give her a little kiss on the head. It's just, I love it a lot. It's really cool. And I also, yeah, I just really like Roy's character. So that leads me to a perfect <laughs> um, chance to talk about, do you have any idea who he's based on? I read something online about Roy Keane. Yeah. But I don't know who that is. He is the most successful Irish football player of all time. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I say that. People probably argue there's like ticky tax ways that you can, but... He's like, he won so many trophies, most with Man U, like Manchester United, was mm-hmm. famous for playing with them. And then now, um, I think he's a coach now, or he mm. was, I don't know if he still is. I don't, I don't know. Um, but he was a coach for a long time after being a footballer, but he was known of being like a midfielder, same position where, um, midfielders generally aren't the ones that score as much. You're running the most on the field. Like defense mm. stays back. You protect them from scoring. Um, if you're like on the front, like the wings, if you're attacking, you're trying to score, but the people in the middle, the midfielders are doing a little bit of everything. They're just moving the ball upfield. So it's like, it's not a glorious position. Okay. And so like this guy, Roy Keane, it was named as like one of the hardest footballers. Like if the ball came near the midfield and he was there, he was going to destroy you to get that ball back to his team. Yeah. Like he was aggressive and especially like they were talking, like he played angry. Gotcha. And you could just see that like when he was there, like the game was 90 minutes, but like to him, that was all that existed. And so like, it, it was really cool seeing somebody play that type of a character at the end of his career, mm. where that's also something that doesn't get talked about in sports much is that like aging out of a career rather than getting like retiring on your own or getting sidelined due to injury like it's a hard blow for masculine men to have to accept that hey i'm not man enough for my career anymore yeah i have to stop doing the only thing i've ever been good at Mm -hmm. and so like watching him in that is fascinating do you know what it also reminded me a bit of was um uh back when i was in new york and working uh, doing makeup and I would work with models. Yeah. Sometimes I would get a model and she was like 35 mm. and they would refer to her as a mature model because yeah. that's old. Yeah. And I always thought that was so unfair to women. You know, I was like, how dare they? Um, but it's interesting that, that it happens to men too. Yeah. That like the whole show, like it took me a minute to adjust to everyone was calling him old man. Oh my God, you're so old. When it's like, no, you're a young, like you're a pretty young fit guy, but just for but your in, sport. Yeah. You, you are have at a the, small lifespan. You're at the older end. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. So yeah, I was really sad. And you know I don't care about sports at all. But when he left the field and they were like, ooh, this may be Roy Kent's last game ever. Yeah. And I, and he went back to the locker room and he was just like really sad. I 
was very sad. <laughs> what do you think? What What's your prediction for him next year? Where I don't know. I, because it kind of seemed like they were wrapping up his storyline, but I also feel like his character was so good and the actor was so good that I can't imagine him not being on the show, especially because he has a writing credit yeah. on every episode that season as like a story editor. So I but that kind makes of me think, feel like he's not going to be done. That makes me think they want to go the route of the American office and like get the writers out of the spotlight mm-hmm. as much as possible and show up when they need to, but yeah. usually not be there. I bet if they're going like a Roy Keane way mm-hmm. and they're setting up this guy's at the end of his career, they just hired Nate as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think Roy will be joining this club as assistant coach. I think he'll get to coach another club in the league that they, the championship league that they just got relegated to. Oh, and he's gonna be somebody they have to compete against this season. Interesting. That I that's interesting. that's my prediction for next season. Okay, you're pretty good at predicting TV, so <laughs> whatever happens, it's gonna be wild. I mean, they're gonna spend a season or two down in championship league, yeah, and then have to work their way up, and then in season five they'll win the premiere, and it'll yeah. be like a huge fucking deal. I don't know. It's going to be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know we're trying to wrap up, but did you have, uh, I think you had a couple little bits of trivia? I've got a bunch of stuff. Um, I'll I'll keep it quick and uh, interesting. (laughs) Um, So the theme song, obviously, is by Marcus Mumford of the band Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And um, he is a good friend of Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, we were speculating about that. Yeah. Because Jason Sudeikis was in that. (laughs) He's in Hopeless Wanderer. So It's the best. If you are out there and you have not seen the music video to Hopeless Wanderer, watch it right now. Pause the podcast. Stop it. Go watch it. It kind of is like you don't have to like Mumford and Sons to enjoy that video. Yeah. As long as you like the comedians that are in the video. (laughs) Um, Jason Sudeikis is so attractive and he's so attractive in that music video. And I I also... All four of them are in that video. That's true. I mean, even Will Forte with that beard. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. What else you got? There's another episode where he runs out and hits his head on the door. Yes. And I called it when we watched it. You were like, that looked real. And then I looked up online. He really did hit his head and hurt himself pretty badly. At Um, least they got a great take out of it. Got a great take. Um, There are a couple of other things like in the locker room, um, the Latin motto of them Mm -hmm. is Gradarius Firmus Victoria, which translates to slow and steady wins the race, Mm. which I like. That's very much like who they are, what they are. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, another small nod to um, Saturday Night Live. Um, Ted dancing in the locker room with the Wichita State. Yeah. That's the same dance he does on What Up With That from those sketches. Mm. The, like, the side-to-side like hips and knees. Gotcha. Like It's the exact same body movement he does. Um, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much what I have. Other than um, the... The pub that they frequent on Richmond Green, like that area of Richmond Green, is um, we see children playing football out there. Yeah. But it's actually mostly used for cricket. Like this area of England is not known for loving football. They love cricket. Gotcha. So much that the bar, the pub that they're shooting in is called the Cricketer's Pub. Yeah. Like, so I think there's a lot, the show does a lot to make us love the idea of Richmond being like this little area yeah, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. soccer, but it's like, yeah, not, not really the people here probably wouldn't care too much. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think like, 
you can look over at stuff like that. Of course they have to film yeah. a, a show in certain areas. And I'm sure if you pick apart American sports films, you're going to be like, well, they were filmed in this location. You don't want to know these secrets. Yeah. Um, and overall, I think approaching the sport and athletes with reverence kind of makes you overlook some of the little stuff like this True. where you're like, eh, it may not be accurate, but True. it's accurate enough to matter. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, at the end of every episode, uh, I usually ask, how British is this? Um, but I believe we've already covered that. Yeah, it's not, but the queen owns it, so it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the queen got paid, yeah. so it's pretty British. Yeah, if you pay the queen, I think it's British. But I would like to hear from British listeners yeah. what you think about this show. Like, does it kind of capture English culture or was it kind of just, you know, like an American's look at English culture? Yeah. I- I'd like to know. Do you even have Apple TV Plus? Do you have lunch? <laughs> don't do this again. Um, do you eat food? Don't worry. I know all about lunch. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple emails. <laughs> and tea. Um, those were great emails. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Are you ready to guess your word? Oi, bruv, I am in it. Okay, so this uh, word was submitted by Julie Evans. Um, She also sent an email, but I will read it on the next episode. Okay. Um, This is a British phrase. I've actually heard it before, but I never really knew what it meant. So Mm. I'm curious to see what you think. Okay. So the phrase is, on your bike. On your bike. So if someone tells you, on your bike, what are they trying to tell you? Um, I think... They're trying to tell you, like, we get up and go. Like, on your bike means, like, gotta move right now. <laughs> and, like, is debated where this word comes from. Where they... <laughs> historians have long debated. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people um, think that it's, like, in the early days, whenever, like... What early days? <laughs> you know, the days of yore. Okay. There would be, um, you know, you would you would be out with friends and just like, you would you would put your bikes up against the wall or something and just be out like having a good time. Like maybe you're playing dice, have money on the ground, or you're out like. <laughs> but then a local street gang will come up and then you have to say on your bikes and then everyone gets on your bikes and you go, you get the hell out of there and you avoid getting beat up by a street gang. So you and your friends bike out of there. <laughs> and this happened all through. The ages in which bicycles. There were bikes. Yeah. And everyone knows. So old enough to be old, but not too old that there weren't bikes. Right. Everyone knows the era in which bikes were invented. And I clearly do. Um, Wow. You went very specific with this one. It is. It's a specific one. Mm. Interesting. So. I have a second guess. Okay. All right. So. You know in Captain America. No, <laughs> Sheldon. What are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with you? On your left. <laughs> okay, so is that a real guess or are you no. joking? Okay. I mean, are any of my guesses real? <laughs> no. They're really words that I'm saying. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm going to say that you didn't get this one right. <sighs> Bummer. So... Uh, according to Julie, <laughs> on your bike, basically a, this is what she says. Hold on, I'm going to take this all again. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
I'm going to say that you didn't get this right. Uh, um, kind of close in the... Mm, no, you didn't get it right. Uh, yeah, um, so according to Julie Evans, she says, on your bike, basically a usually jokey way of saying get lost. <laughs> My husband might say this if I ask him to do an errand that I'm too lazy to do. Oh, so bike. it's kind of a way if, if someone comes along and they're like messing with you, then you just go on your bike yeah. and they'll leave. Go fly a kite. Well, yeah, yeah, it's kind of just saying like it's kind of like jog on. You know, jog on. <laughs> so, I feel like that has to be accompanied with a raspberry. Yeah, yeah, you have to do that. Um, but I think that is a really funny thing to say. That's just good. On, your bike, on your bike, get out of here, go home. Um, that's really funny. I love your guesses, though, even when they're wrong, especially when yeah. they're wrong, actually. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us for our Ted Lasso episode. Um, you can write in with your thoughts. We are anglophilespodcast at gmail.com, files with an F. You can also find us on social media. Yes, Facebook and Instagram. We are the Anglophiles, files with an F. If you have the time, please give us a review or a rating on iTunes. That would be great. We'll see you next time. Remember, keep calm and... Football is life!